Hi there, and welcome to the ADHD Adults Podcast. It's not called that at the start, though, is it, James? That's no, no. I mean, it took us a while to change the name, but then I'm not even in it. Again, true. It takes a few episodes for you to. So what be... you're saying is that we have two, maybe three adults with ADHD started a podcast, and then we repeatedly made impulsive decisions to change the name of that podcast. And the hosts. Yeah, exactly. The, the quality, though, I, I will say, always remains bad throughout. So join me, Professor James Brown. Not a real professor. And me, Dr. Alex Connor. Not a real doctor, though. And me, True. Mrs. ADHD. When they eventually let me on. Okay, so join us for the ADHD Adults podcast. It, it, it's not good. <laughs> Hi there, and welcome to episode one of the ADHD Adult UK podcast. I'm James Brown, co-founder of ADHD Adult UK, and this podcast series is hopefully going to help you understand ADHD as an adult better. As always, I'm joined by my co-founder of ADHD Adult UK, Alex Connor. What's up? Jesus, already. Um, okay. <laughs> and... Um, Today, we're going to be talking about diagnosis of ADHD, which is a really hot topic. So we're going to start, though, as always, really by reminding people, what is ADHD? So Alex, fire away. All right. So uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, shittest name in the world. It, it isn't a deficit of attention, firstly. It, it's an inability to focus your attention. We have as much attention as anyone, uh, but we don't put it in, in the right way often and mostly. We tend to focus on the things that are very, very exciting to us, emotionally and relatively short-term rewarding, instead of what we should be doing, the priorities, the long-term goals, that kind of thing. Hyperactivity, is often, especially in adults, is often not that either, certainly not externally. We're not always fidgety little kids. I am, but not all of us. We're often internal. James often says it's like knives in his brain. I say it's bees. There's bees buzzing around. Since as long as I can remember, it's been like that. So the hyperactivity is a poor name. Disorder, that's an interesting one. About two thirds of people with ADHD don't feel it's a disorder, rather they are ADHD. I'm on. I'm in the other third. I think it, it is untreated a disorder. Generally speaking, we at ADHD Adult UK think of ADHD as, as a disorder that when treated can become managed ADHD and that is a neurodivergence. That can have positives. Untreated ADHD, generally speaking, isn't a superpower, doesn't have advantages, it needs support and help. The, 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 the manifestations can be horrendous, depression, anxiety, addiction to substances, gambling, alcohol and so on. Also, relationship breakdowns, unemployment, and tremendous cost to the tax. Funny, this bit, isn't it, James? <laughs> All the... <laughs> it um, is. But there is hope. There is there is, there is hope, isn't there? We are, we are going to talk over each other because um, one thing we haven't said so far is both Alex and myself have or live with ADHD. 
Um, it's obviously more obvious in, in Alex's voice, if you're listening, or face, if you're watching. You can actually just looking at him, you can tell he's got something, hasn't he? Um, but we will talk <laughs> We will talk over each other, and we will interrupt each other, because even as treated and relatively well-managed adults with ADHD, we're both still absolute messes when it comes to um, our lives in general. And sometimes when we get excited, when we're doing something like this, we will talk over each other. Um, Alex, we will. So... In a nutshell, what that means is that we have trouble with executive function. That's the the behaviours that your brain allows you to do, to pay attention to stuff, to think about something for a prolonged period and not swap, or to to not think about something, to, what cognitive inhibition, and also behavioural inhibition. We, we, we impulsively do stuff we don't necessarily want to do, and lots and lots of other factors like that. It's, it's really unpleasant. Over the next... Uh, series of podcasts we're going to discuss a lot of these issues with you but today we want to talk about the thorny issue of do you need the diagnosis ADHD adult UK we're not adult ADHD UK because I got distracted when registering <laughs> the domain name and got it wrong so at ADHD adult UK we just don't care whether you have a diagnosis or not it's not important to us we care about your feelings about it so come and join us whether you just have one symptom or all of them it doesn't matter so should you seek a diagnosis and what does that mean? The first section of our podcast is going to be on what we call psychoeducation, talking to you about what some of the terms mean. And today we're talking about diagnosis. James is cleverer than me at this sort of thing. So James, tell us about diagnosis, will you? Yeah. So interestingly, if you're an adult who feels they have ADHD, diagnosis is completely subjective. And that means you have to tell uh, an expert psychiatrist in ADHD about your symptoms and you have to fill in some forms largely either ticking boxes or writing about your symptoms and you have to have a structured consultation so there's no objective test it's not like diabetes where you can take a blood test and it gives you a value and then a doctor can say ah that value is too high you've got ADHD with this it's far more subjective and that's one of the reasons that often getting a diagnosis of ADHD is difficult because it looks like a lot of other things. You may present initially, <clears throat> pardon me, with addiction issues. Um, you may present with binge eating. You may present with uh, bipolar-like symptoms or depression or anxiety. And it may be that for years, and this is what happens um, with many adults with ADHD, and, and Alex and I both share experiences of this happening, you think that you've got anxiety or depression. And actually, it's undiagnosed ADHD. And this is partly because you have to have someone, whether it's a GP or a friend or a psychiatrist that you, that you know or somebody uh, on TikTok or a celebrity, you have to have some kind of initial event or stimulus that makes you think, hang on, that, that's me. I do that. I do those things. And then that starts you on this journey of trying to work out how to get a diagnosis. In order to do this, there are, there are a couple of different routes. And uh, this is the most, going to be the most depressing first episode of a podcast ever, Al, because at the minute, fr you know, frankly, a diagnosis of ADHD in the UK is completely fucked. Because if you want to go via the NHS, depending on where you live, um, waiting times are probably going to be between two and seven years. And I haven't just plucked those numbers out of the air. They are based on a series of freedom of information requests back in 2019, people's reports, anecdotally, news stories. You may have to wait years to get a diagnosis. So imagine that you're so distressed, you're in such a mess. You, know, you, you may not be functional at your job at home. 
and you you go to your doctor and your doctor agrees yeah i think you need a referral and then you just sit there for years waiting for a letter no one tells you when you're going to get an appointment you just sit and wait that obviously is awful the alternative is to go for a private diagnosis and what that means is you pay a a consultant um a psychiatrist with expertise in adhd to do everything a bit quicker the problem with this obviously is that a lot of people with adhd myself included um have issues with impulse control and lots of debt or might not have a job or might not have a high paying job and the costs of private diagnosis generally vary depending on how much service you get so if you just want the diagnosis but not what we call titration of drugs. So working out what drug and what dose is best for you, you're probably looking at between 500 and 800 pounds. If you want the full service, the bells and whistles from start to finish, within two weeks, you're gonna be diagnosed, we're gonna put you on medication and within a couple of months, we'll hand you back to the NHS, you're probably looking at upwards of 1500 to 2000 pounds. And that's a lot of money. Alex is just uh, Alex is just pulled a face. This is so we're going to talk about our diagnoses um, and how grateful I am to my mum who's in her eighties and paid for my diagnosis uh, later on. But this is the situation we've got now. There is a big asterisk slash caveat here, and that is if you live in England. Apologies to those that don't live in England. There is a system known as right to choose within the NHS. And what that means is you can actually pick where you get referred to. Now, most people don't know this. It's not heavily advertised. So when you've got you know, a knee injury and you need to have an operation, when you've got um, a mental health issue and you need to see an expert, you can actually ask your doctor, your GP, in many cases, I want to go to this clinic because I know this clinic's good, or I want to go to that clinic because I know that clinic's got a short waiting time. Now, because... ADHD clinics generally don't advertise their waiting times because they're so hideously long. It's difficult to find a good NHS ADHD clinic. But there are two at the minute, and this, this list will probably increase, private clinics or online providers who you can ask to be referred to through Right to Choose. And they are called Psychiatry UK and ADHD 360. It's not as quick as going private. So you're probably still going to wait nine months to a year to get that appointment but clearly that's better than five years and equally you're not going to have to pay for it so this is the situation we're in you have to go through all these different jumps uh, over sorry all, over all these jumps through all these hoops over all these barriers and did you say minute, through through jumps james did you say i, you did, say, I did say yes yes alex. well i go i tend to go through jumps alex because i no, that's fine. And, I, and i fall over a lot um but yes i did <laughs> So for those that haven't ever, for those that haven't ever experienced um, Alex and myself talking, we've known each other now for far too long, about 13, 15 years or something, and we intensely rip the piss out of each other all the time. So this podcast is going to be about 90% ADHD and 10% personal abuse, which is, for me, perfect. It's, it's firmly steeped in hatred. Can I <laughs> summarise what I think I've heard, James, which is yeah. if you think you have ADHD, get the evidence from... From our website and lots of other people's support, try to yeah. pay for that. These free online trackers will do. Go and see your GP. And am I right in saying if they believe you and they're like yeah, a gatekeeper, yeah. if they're trained and if they believe you, they can refer you to a mental health clinic, a psychiatrist, and that can take months, probably years. And then you, if, if the psychiatrist diagnoses you, you then have to wait for referral – sorry, for, for, for treatment, which is sometimes called yeah. tri titration for drugs – yeah, and so that can t and and that's the the classic so, NHS way. 
it is. And just to add another layer of shit to the pile of shit we've just described, at the minute, mm. waiting times for titration of drugs may be 12 months. So imagine you've waited five years for a diagnosis and you're then told we're going to put you on drugs, but it takes 12 months to start. So you've then got 12 months where your whole identity's changed. You've gone from thinking, I'm useless, I'm late. I mean, you clearly are useless and lazy and, and thick and, 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 and forgetful to, oh my God, I've got ADHD. This is why I do these things. But now I've got to wait 12 months until I can get better. It, it's, it's, it's heinous and hideous. I want to pick up on one point you said, and this is really important. You, there are some very prominent ADHD organizations that will ask you to pay for a document or a booklet which helps you work out if you might have ADHD. And as Alex said, we think that's wrong. All these, all these tests, so that the main one that people use is called the ASRS, the ADHD Symptom Report Scale, and that's a series of boxes you tick. There's a six-question version and an 18-question version, and they're both very good at predicting if you might have ADHD. They are more than 90% sensitive and specific. So if you score enough on these tests, it gives you a good indication and that you may have ADHD, and that's what you need to take to your GP. So a couple of quick tips. If you're going through this process, first write everything down because you will forget during that meeting with the gp to say something secondly take with you or if it's over the phone have with you your completed asrs or there are other versions documents so you can say i've done this test because otherwise the first thing the gp is going to say is we need you to go and do this test and equally the part of the diagnostic criteria rightly or wrongly is that this because ADHD is a lifelong neurodevelopmental disorder, you have to have evidence that it's not just started now in your 40s. You have to have evidence that as a child, and this could be narrative evidence. I remember that my report cards always said that um, I was distracted and I can remember being told by my GP that I was hyperactive, but you need some evidence that this occurred when you were a child. And you also need to be able to get across the fact that it's having an impact on your life, work life, relationship life, and that's kind of a moderate impact. So it's not that I think I've got it and actually I'm fine, I'm great at work and I'm happy in my marriage. It has to be to get a diagnosis. It, it's it's affecting my life and you have to take all And, those and that's in more than one environment as well, isn't it? It can't just it be because be. it could be a bad job leading to these symptoms. And can yeah. I add that just something really, really important that a lot of um, GPs, because they haven't been heavily trained in this, they haven't got the time, they do a great job, is that they sometimes think that means you have to have had the disorder growing up, whereas actually you have had to have had the symptoms growing up. I grew up in a very free and respected and safe hippie environment, which meant my ADHD symptoms were very obvious, but they were also perfectly tolerated. I, I hate that explains, school. That, that, that explains a lot, Alex, thinking of you growing up in a hippie environment. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It really does. No, you're, you're absolutely right. That's really important. I, we've had GPs contact us asking us for information and telling us that when they did medical school, their, their medical degree at medical school, they had one hour on ADHD and were told that this is a disorder of male children, boys effectively. And that's their understanding of it. So it's not surprising that for a lot of GPs, when you go in, they will stick to what they know as stereotypes, like you'll fidget and you won't be able to sit still and you'll have a dysfunctional life. So if you've got a if you, like Alex, miraculously, 
have a degree and have a, have a successful career externally, a GP may look at you and say, we, and we've, we've had this documented to us anecdotally, you can't have ADHD, you've got a degree, or you can't have ADHD, you've got a good job. And that's utter bullshit. So if that happens to you, challenge it. So no, that's not true, actually. There are people who are externally successful with ADHD, and it's symptom-based, not career-based. So that, in a nutshell, is ADHD diagnosis. We're going to give you some personal stories now because we both have or live with ADHD. Alex, how did you get diagnosed? Uh, NHS is the simple answer. About six years ago, although it was obvious growing up, I used to say to my mum, why am I like this? Why am I not normal? And it was probably apparent decades before when I was even publishing in the area of ADHD about 10 years ago but the, <laughs> sorry, my, my... I'm sorry 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 stop you there <laughs> you were publishing in the field of ADHD and I, I'm going to add to this for anybody yes. watching with with the guy who's now the is it the chair of the world ADHD Fa foundation something like Fed, that yeah yeah it's federation. general secretary of the world yeah. federation of ADHD yeah. so so you, so you were so you were working with the world's leading ADHD expert uh -huh, uh -huh, publishing uh -huh, yeah. ADHD and you didn't yeah. know you had it amazing i failed to see your point <laughs> one of the one of the interesting things is i used to go oh well maybe i'm add because i completely rejected the hyperactivity bit yeah. partly because i didn't know i wasn't normal somebody had to tell me <laughs> i know i shouldn't use the word normal <laughs> i wasn't neurotypical uh, but never, no, but I think, uh, yeah, just separate from that, you've never been normal anyway. I mean, I've known you for years. That's true. There's other, yeah. Uh, regardless <laughs> of ADHD, there's definitely something, you know, different about you, Alex. But carry mm, on. Personality-wise. So, so yeah. I, I didn't realise that ADD isn't a thing. I didn't realise that it's just a flavour of ADHD and the hyperactivity can be mean a lot of things. So if you're thinking that, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Continue looking for an ADHD diagnosis. It's a shit name, as we've discussed. So then I had breakdowns, well-documented uh, marriage and nearly life breakdowns. I, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I was put on lithium. I was oh, horrendous problems. But I knew, I knew something wasn't right about this. And I, I rejected these diagnoses. I knew because, I, I, you know, I had hope. I didn't have the 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 symptoms that people talked about. And I felt so fraudulent, just felt like a stupid and lazy imposter. So how don't I just say it. No, I'm not. I was, I was just <laughs> nice. Jesus. Fuck I sake. don't recognise that. First time, the first time in our professional, personal history that I was going to say something positive about you and you, and you just <laughs> insinuated that I couldn't do that. I just wanted to say, so just, just to cut you short, because you, you're really boring me. Um, <laughs> How long? How long did this take? And 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 how did you feel after diagnosis? And what? How are you treated? If you don't mind sharing that information. So about seven years ago, I realised that I probably had this through talking to. I mean, you know, white male privilege. I my sister in law's a psychiatrist. What are you going to do? And she said to me, "You're a high functioning sociopath." And that isn't relevant. I just thought it was hilarious. All I heard was high functioning. I, I can yes, I he's definitely you're definitely a sociopath. <laughs> but she also said, you know, you do have ADHD. <laughs> I laughed. What I did have though was an alcohol problem, not so funny, and it was affecting me. It was affecting my my uh my my family and, and my own life. So I went to the GP and I said, 
you know, I think I have a drinking problem. I think it's because of ADHD. And they just referred me immediately to a psychiatrist, which I believe is partly due to my class, gender and ethnic race. Luckily, my psychiatrist was wonderful and said, oh, yeah, it's obvious after probably about two hours of conversations. They rapidly, this was six years ago, this was over about three months, they rapidly within a month titrated me to methylphenidate, which I take every single day. There we go. You can have a look if you want to. Let me show you what that looks like. I thought it would be interesting. (laughs) On a podcast, no, it's little grey tablet. That's amazing. Yeah. Once a day, little grey tablet, and it is just stabilizes my dopamine levels and allows me to focus a little bit more on what I'm interested in. I can't, I still can't do accountancy. How, how, and how so did for you, me, how did you, I'm just, go, sorry go to cut across you. How did you feel about the diagnosis? So when, when he said the words, yes, you've got ADHD. How, oh. you, you, you had this whole, I'm sure you'd like most of us, you had this whole identity of this is, this is me. I'm not a good person or I'm not a functional person. All of a sudden you're given a, a reason for that. I don't know if reason's the right word. How did that make you feel? No, it's such a massive relief. I did, and sometimes still do, reject it in favour of, you're just a shit person. I'm still just, well, I'm are. just a lazy man-child. Well, which yeah. I am. But, but, but most of the time now, I have emotionally accepted I have ADHD, and, and I um, still take responsibility for my behavioural actions that affect others, but I know what the reason is. And actually, that can be really helpful in me not acting on the behaviours or trying to justify them. And so it was such a massive, massive relief and continues to be to this day, James. What about um, you? Um, so it's, I suppose, uh, in a way, my story started when you phoned me up the day after you got diagnosed and said, and laughed very heartily at this, I've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're more ADHD than I am. And we, we had a laugh. We now realise this is inappropriate language. Completely inappropriate thing to say. Yeah, but at the time... Um, obviously we had a good chat about it i and shamefully as a i'm now an associate professor in biomedical science at the time i think i was a lecturer in biomedical science i think i I know neurophysiology i teach neurophysiology had no fucking clue that adults could have adhd and when you told me that the first thing i thought was well i've always known there's something a bit weird about you because that's why i like you the only reason i like you but i just didn't think adhd was an adult thing it's kids running around and misbehaving and and playing on the Xbox and throwing sweets at their mum and dad. That's what I thought, not having kids or had any experience of them. So when you told me, I... At the I, time, I still do those things, by the way. Yeah, no, he, he does. I, I can confirm that. At the time, I went away and I did the online test and they came out and said, yes, you're likely to have ADHD. And I thought, but I'm doing all right, actually. I've just got a lectureship. I'm I'm doing okay. I'm, my career's okay. I, I've, got, I've got a relationship that's in good order. You know, I'm, I'm I'm doing all right. I don't think I, I have an issue. And therefore, I, I may not have got a diagnosis at the time because I didn't have those issues in my personal life. But um, equally, I had the fear. And, and this is where this is going to sound incredibly... Um, uh, it's a stupid comment, really. I have a lot of self-loathing. I, I hate myself. Um, and I equally didn't want to take ADHD medicine because I thought it would change me. And so many people get in touch with us on ADHD Adult UK and say exactly that. I don't want I don't want to take the stimulants. I don't want to take speed. I um, didn't, James, for years. I've, I, I didn't take my medication for years. Yeah. Same reason. And it's and it the weird thing is that once you actually take it, and I I, I was the opposite. I was desperate, desperate for a bit of speed. I was. Um, I, I 
you know, would have four, I had to wait four months from my diagnosis to start my drugs. I would have, you know, wrestled with a bear to start earlier than that. But it's, it's so subtle, the effect, you know, in terms of, of what happens. That when I finished my titration and I sent my forms back to my psychiatrist, I'll talk about that in a bit, I said, it hasn't worked. I'm exactly the same. And he said, look at the forms before and after. Every single area has improved. And I thought, oh, God, yeah. No, I didn't realize, but it had. So I, so, you know, fast forward six or seven years, and we're in lockdown and my workload as a as a now associate professor has massively increased but i'm sitting in a box room at home seven days a week talking into a computer and um it just i had a mental health crisis i'm also probably bipolar by the way we'll talk about that in a later episode and i spoke to alex at the time and alex felt that it's probably adhd and not bipolar and i spoke to another friend eric um, who we'll have on the show at some point and he also has ADHD and he said I think it's ADHD and, and they, they both said you need to get this diagnosed so knowing how long the waiting lists were and also having no money because of my impulse spending my, my wife and I uh, had at the time about 60 grand's worth of debt I went to my mum and I said um, I think I think I've got ADHD um, I've been you know really bad suicidal you know Christmas day I spent three hours staring at the wall wanting to kill myself um, I need help. And my mum said, I'll pay for anything. You know, you're my son and I'll pay for anything. And in the end, she she paid for probably just more than half of, of the entire process. And I used Psychiatry UK as a service. I got an appointment within two weeks. I got my letter a week after I got di the diagnosis at that appointment. Um, and it did take a few months to start drug treatment because there is this national shortage of nurses who, who prescribe those drugs. But again, just like you, it was a weight off my shoulders that I could finally say the reason I'm so unreliable and I am and so forgetful and just a, a, a useless blob of a person is not because I'm all those things. It's because I have ADHD and I have a brain that's slightly different. So in the end, it cost me probably, well, me and my mum, probably about 1800 quid to go through the process of paying privately for the drugs. And then they handed me back to my GP and now, and now the NHS do that so it was much quicker than a lot of people but it cost a lot of money and now I'm um, still frankly a complete mess um, I can have three brilliant weeks and then a weekend or a week where I just forget I've got ADHD and I message Alex so oh my god I'm so anxious about to leave work and I can't believe I, I, you know, my to-do list is really long and Alex just says you've got ADHD and I say oh yeah I forgot about that we're going to talk about this in a new podcast but this thing of lifelong condition if the aim of your treatment or your coaching or your therapy is to not have ADHD and you have it, you're going to fail. This yeah. is a lifelong condition. We're always going to have it. Emotionally accepting what that means can lead to a, a really interesting and different lifestyle rather than one big hot mess. It doesn't explain James's hair, but it can <laughs> it can lead to or, a really... Or your all that, oh, my lack of that. Yeah, I don't, know what that, I don't know what that is. Okay, so James, just before we go, we, we want to every week do end on a, on a positive note. So diagnosis-wise, have you got a top tip? Shall I share mine first? My top tip really yeah. is if you're worried about the GP fobbing you off, yeah. maybe think about taking a friend with you. If you're worried about getting a diagnosis in the first place, you don't have to declare it to anyone. I've only declared my uh, 
Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle diagnosis and been accepted as a disability by my employer last week i just didn't for six weeks nobody it wasn't a big deal what's six your years. top tip james six years um, Sorry. yeah my, my top tip is get in touch with us at adhd adult uk because we have uh, we have a list of resources we have on our website a template letter which you can read out to your gp if it's a, an online it's a telephone consultation or you can take with you we've got links to the different online tests that can in, give you a good indication if you do have the, the traits of an adult with adhd and we'll offer advice if you're just at that point where you don't know what to do. So my top tip is get in touch with us so you can see at the top of the screen if you're watching or if you go to either Twitter or Instagram and our account is at ADHDAdultUK or one word, pop us a, a DM and we'll give you some advice. Only a thousand pounds per letter. It's completely free. <laughs> we do it. We do it. This is this is our hobby, believe yeah. it or not. Okay, so that was our first podcast on living as an adult with ADHD for ADHD Adult UK. If you've got any input, get in touch with us on the socials anywhere at the same address, ADHD Adult UK on Twitter or Instagram. And let us know what you think, what you'd like us to talk about. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. We will. See you soon. Bye bye.